Welcome to the CondoVultures.com podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski, a Miami real estate broker, Wall Street consultant, and expert witness. This podcast is focused on identifying real estate buying opportunities in the South Florida condo market, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. The CondoVultures.com podcast is not authorized by the South Florida real estate industry and will most likely annoy many of the region's talking heads. This podcast will feature straight talk and salty language that could be offensive to some. Please remember that part that past investment success does not determine future gains, especially in the South Florida's volatile condo market. For more information, please visit condovultures.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. This is episode number 22 in our podcast series. For this particular episode, we have the... Um, pleasure of having on Howard Elfman. Howard is a managing broker of a real estate brokerage called The Agency, South Florida. It basically is a national brokerage. It has operations overseas as well, but Howard oversees South Florida, which is Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach counties. Now, I wanted to have Howard on this particular podcast because I wanted to talk about what was really going on in the Fort Lauderdale and Broward County market. That's really a specialty, even though his brokerage uh, oversees the whole Tri-County area. So I wanted to get some context as to, okay, why is Fort Lauderdale seem to be uh, an outlier, if you will, from uh, other parts of uh, the South Florida region, especially in comparison to Miami? So uh, Howard and I discussed that. They discussed some of the trends that are emerging. We actually discussed how he did a real estate deal uh, uh, via, I think it was FaceTime or Zoom, if you will. So it was basically it was a virtual walkthrough and the buyer decided to pull the trigger on it. So we get into some of that. Howard's a traveler as well as a foodie. So uh, there's some discussion about that. But at the end of the day, I think you're going to uh, enjoy his perspective. Why? Because he's been in the industry for over 20 years. He's done everything from bank-owned properties to uh, pre-construction. He also invests his own money in a whole series of properties. And he's on the governmental side where he uh, sits on or has been appointed to a number of different boards, including the Fort Lauderdale Planning and Zoning, uh, the Riverwalk Trust, uh, Broward Housing Council. So Howard Howard's one of those rare breeds who can kind of give you the, the retail side as well as the governmental side. So I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation. If you have any comments or recommendations, suggestions, please feel free to reach out to us at inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. So fasten your seatbelt, sit back, and enjoy. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? Are you searching in the markets of greater downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood, north of Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County, South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I am your host. This is podcast episode number 22. I know if you've been listening all the way through, you're probably saying, holy shit, 22 podcasts since the beginning of April. Well, let me tell you, you've hopefully you've listened to all of them. Uh, chances are you've listened to several of them. But I will tell you, this is going to be the podcast that I highly recommend you listen to, and you might want to listen to a second time. Why is that? Because i got a heavy weight on the um on this podcast. His name is Howard Elfman. He's out of Fort Lauderdale, originally from Philadelphia. 
came down here about 30 years ago to the South Florida area, been doing real estate for about 20 years. But Howard's got that reach. He casts a shadow. He's in, he has been and was involved with a whole variety of different uh, organizations, including National Association of Realtors. He was the president of the Greater Fort Lauderdale Realtor Association. Um, he's involved with governmental bodies, just a whole ton of stuff. So this is going to be a fun podcast. Howard, you're still with me, right? I'm with you. Nice, nice, nice. How's it going today? How's beautiful, uh, sunny Fort Lauderdale? Well, fortunately, it's really sunny and nice. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So, so Howard, um, just the rule of engagement, um, we allow what we call salty language. So if for some reason you need to curse or if you, something slips, don't worry. Uh, our audience expects it, especially if they've been listening to the other previous 21 podcasts. We, we've definitely dropped a couple F-bombs here and there. We don't go out of our way, but it tends to happen sometimes. No problem. All right. Beautiful. So, so Howard, I always like to ask people, um, how did you get to South Florida? Because it's always an interesting question. I know you're originally from Philadelphia, but uh, how did you make your way down to uh, South Florida and especially Fort Lauderdale? Well, I, I don't want to say the cliche, but it really is true. I mean, you have enough uh, cold winters uh, up north and you're tired of shoveling snow and you come down to this area on vacation. And uh, all of a sudden you see the palm trees, the sunshine, spring break was still in effect back then. And uh, Fort Lauderdale was really just starting its growth. And uh, for some reason, I just fell in love with it, felt very comfortable. And uh, within the next year, I was here full time. Wow. And what, what did the family say uh, when you moved down? And I'm assuming you were the first one from the family to come down or did you come down to a, already a, a network of people who you knew who had made the move before you? No, no, I was really the first one coming down. And, uh, you know, first they said, why would you move down there? You know, uh, Florida was looked at like we had all outdoor bathrooms and, uh, you know, wasn't <laughs> sophisticated enough. And, yep. uh, you know, just kind of uh, proved that wrong. And, um, you know, apparently never looked back. Been here ever since. Nice. And how many friends or family have followed you down? Anybody or do they just come down and stay at your place for free? No, 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 not anymore. <laughs> but but uh, family uh, came down. My sister came down. My mother came down uh, as a snowbird probably about uh, five years ago and now down here full time. Wow, that's that's great. And you still have family up in the Philadelphia area? Any immediate family or is it all distant relatives? No, all distant relatives at this point. Nice. Now, I have to ask you, and I like to get a little bit in the food. And in in, in, um, uh, I like food and I know you like food and you, you sort of. Uh, you have a real good uh, context. Uh, you're a foodie, if you will. Let, let, let me ask you, for somebody who's not from Philadelphia, we always hear about the uh, cheesesteak. We always hear about, what is it, Pat's versus Phil's? Is that, is that the two? Pat's, um, Pat's or Gino's. That's actually the opening Pat's line somebody's from Philly. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And what, what, what do you prefer and why in terms of it? And keep in mind, our audience, based on analytics, uh, they're coming from Prague all the way to Sydney, from Toronto down to Buenos Aires. So if you can really sort of make it simple so anywhere, anyone, anywhere in the world is sort of follow it. What, what, what's a Philly cheesesteak and, and why do you like one over the other? OK, well, that, that's a two part. Uh, okay. First of all, Pat's or Gino's, I prefer Gino's. And uh, as far as what makes a Philly cheesesteak, it's really cut up meat uh, that's fried on a grill with some oil and uh, the cheese part, there was the cheese whiz, which is what they put on top. And I, I got to tell you, I'm not a cheese whiz fan. Okay. Uh, you know, for me, it's provolone or mozzarella instead, or just plain. Nice. But uh, why I like Gino's is really, they do the meat two different ways. Gino's does it in very thin slices where Pat's does it very much chopped up, which is a little more traditional, but Gino's is my preference. 
Okay. And, and because many of the people who are listening, they either uh, come down here and visit, uh, they own down here, or they aspire to come down here. Anywhere where they might be able to taste the Philadelphia cheesesteak in the South Florida area, uh, short of going to Philadelphia. Uh, this is going to sound really sad, but who makes a really good one is Miami Subs. Miami, re- oh, I got to tell you, Miami Subs, <laughs> it's actually really good. I didn't know it was that authentic, though. Uh, pretty close. Uh, it certainly tastes the same or similar. Wow, interesting. And, and uh, interesting side note about Miami Subs, unless something changed. Uh, Pitbull, the famous musician, uh, Mr. Worldwide, if you will, Mr. 305, he actually, I think, invested some capital. He's an equity investor in the Miami Subs uh, chain. I think they're trying to reposition themselves. Wow, I, I didn't know that. But also, one more important thing about the uh, Philadelphia cheesesteak, it yeah. also is all about the bread. All about the bread. It, what, it's like an Italian loaf or something? or Well, up in Philadelphia, there's a, a company called Amoroso. And that's okay. uh, who everybody knew. And it's just a very soft bread, and, uh, but still has a little bit of chewiness to it. But that really is what brings the cheesesteak all together. All right. And just to be clear, a- Amoroso, that, that's no relation to the... Um, the former Apprentice star on Donald Trump's TV program at one time was an advisor in Washington, D.C., correct? I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's way before then. Okay, okay. <laughs> just, just making sure. And also to um, somebody visiting South Florida, do you, do you have any go-to places in the Fort Lauderdale or even the South Florida area you'd recommend that uh, maybe people should get off the beaten path when they're down here and assuming restaurants are open sometime in the near future? Any, any places that, uh, that you, you'd recommend? Oh, there's a lot of places I love down here, uh, which uh, I think you probably know. But, I mean, Las Olas Boulevard, you always have some great restaurants. But off the beaten path, uh, I like Thai spice for my Thai food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like doing hot pot, uh, which is actually uh, Chinese. Uh, but I, I do eat a lot of Asian food. So uh, I could probably tell you any Asian restaurant located in the Fort Lauderdale area, no matter which ethnicity. Nice, nice. And, and um, can, can you talk a little bit about your travel? You and I have compared travel notes um, I went on a stint a couple years back where I was uh, visiting uh, all throughout Asia, Southeast Asia, East Asia, South Asia. And I was asking, I was tapping into your, your knowledge base about, about that. Can you sort of talk about the types of travel you're doing and how often you go or where you used to go? And then what, what you hope about, uh, going forward about uh, getting on a plane again? Oh, sure. You know, it, it's probably been for about the last 10 years. I've gone to Asia every single year. And I normally try to add a country that I've never been to or at mm-hmm. least a city in a country that I have been to. Uh, whether that's going to Thailand, which was pretty traditional every year. Yep. I also went to, uh, I go to the Philippines pretty often as well. Uh, Singapore, uh, stent there, Vietnam, uh, Vietnam, been there a couple of times. Uh, this year I was actually going to Korea and I had everything all set, uh, prior to COVID. Oh. So I figured I was going to be up on stage with, uh, you know, BTX or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a big K-pop fan. There. <laughs> Interesting. I did not know that. I did not know that. Um, (laughs) When you went to Asia, uh, the whole face mask phenomenon that we're dealing with now in South Florida, as well as the rest of the United States, is that something that you ever had to wear? I I know in my travels to Asia, I never actually wore them, but I saw a lot of people wearing them at the time. Um, What what about you? Was was that part of just the repertoire? You know what? I never wore one when I was in Asia. And I remember speaking to somebody about people wearing face masks and why somebody decides to wear it or not. And I thought they were really trying to protect themselves. And Mm -hmm. what somebody would say is, no, if they have a cold, they're wearing a face mask not to get anybody else sick. And this was before COVID. And I just thought, wow, what a great thing. People are trying to protect other people around them. And yep. now leading into COVID, when they're talking the same thing, it's, uh, I just thought that was pretty cool. Nice, nice. 
Now, 1989, you moved to Fort Lauderdale. You got here right at the end of the Cocaine Cowboys era. Anybody who doesn't know anything about the Cocaine Cowboy era, basically look for a documentary. You'll find it on Netflix called Cocaine Cowboys. That'll walk you through it. But effectively, a lot of cocaine was moving through South Florida, and it was being redistributed throughout the rest of the United States, if not the world. A lot of money was flowing. A lot of bullets were flying. And... uh, here you are moving to moving to Fort Lauderdale. What what uh, what what do you re- uh, recollect about the the end of the cocaine cowboy era, which effectively I think went through the eighties? Well, you know what, I never really saw anything about that, and maybe it's just the you know circles I traveled or where I went. So I really didn't know much about that. I knew that uh, spring break was coming to an end mm-hmm. at, at that point, so uh, things were slowing down from there. But uh, I mean, to be candid with you, I, I really didn't uh, know anything about that except for any stories I heard. Now, now, you mentioned spring break. Spring break uh, was legendary. Fort Lauderdale was the go-to place. Uh, kids would come during the spring break from university. They'd come down to Fort Lauderdale, and they'd party like rock stars on Fort Lauderdale Beach Boulevard, uh, in and around uh, that area. What, the elbow room, places like that. What, what do you remember about that, about the, the old spring break? Oh, I remember the traffic used to uh, – Sunrise Boulevard used to be backed up all the way. You used to have to wait for hours. Uh, where there's a gas, well, let's see, there was a gas station, uh, and uh, now there's a bank, but it used to be a strip club. <laughs> nice, right the there you go. <laughs> and then they had, of course, the uh, candy store, which was on along Fort Lauderdale Beach, you used to have the wet t shirt contest, uh, you know, the elbow room. I mean, Fort Lauderdale was kind of the Wild West, and uh, in fact, where the candy store was before, where they had the wet t shirt contest, is now the Ritz Carlton. Unbelievable. Talk about a market changing. So so here it was, Fort Lauderdale. They repositioned themselves. They went from a party town for university kids to suddenly attracting the likes of those who want to stay at the Ritz-Carlton. Exactly. Well done. Well, well done. So um, you originally, when you, when you got here, you were in the software uh, business before going into real estate about 20 years ago. Right. In fact, I like to use the terms that uh, that's the days when hardware meant hardware and software wasn't a word yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I actually moved down in that business, uh, used to travel a lot, used to travel throughout the state, then ultimately throughout a region, then uh, started traveling consistently throughout the U.S. Wow, wow, wow. A- any software company that's still, or uh, computer, the, the company you work for, is, that, is it still around today or get gobbled up along, along the way? There were a couple companies, uh, they got gobbled up. Uh, I was uh, in the industry where what is now cloud computing, back then it used to be called the ASP industry, used to work with PeopleSoft, which is now yep. uh, purchased by someone else. So no, pretty much uh, everybody got, got gobbled up over time. Nice. And then, then you go into real estate. And I was looking at your bio on uh, LinkedIn. It was talking about how, I guess, when you were working uh, in the computer industry, you were also investing. What, what, was, was that sort of the stepping stone? how you got so enthralled in uh, real estate and how you ultimately rose up through the ranks? Well, that's actually what happened is uh, I was doing very well in the software business and I hired an accountant and the accountant said, you know what, you're paying a lot of taxes. And I said, well, okay, what do you recommend? What, how do you think I should pay less taxes? And he said, I like real estate. And he at the time probably had somewhere between 60, 70 properties. Wow. So, uh, in, in a sense, he kind of became a mentor for me. And uh, I said, I, I kind of like that. I could touch real estate. You know, I see it go, not just like a stock that uh, anything could happen to. Sure. And I started buying about two properties a year, which uh, at this point in life, I was supposed to just be fixing toilets and sinks by all my investment properties. <laughs> Can I ask what happened or do we want to uh, defer? <laughs> no, no, there's nothing bad that happened. Okay, okay. You know, it's uh, when I wasn't in the real estate business, I, I was really 
getting very much into uh, the investment of buying property. And, uh, that, you know, he said, and by the way, when I used to get together with friends, we would talk, real estate was always coming into the subject. I was really yes. passionate about it. Yes. And uh, at the same time, I was traveling tremendously. And they always said, whatever your passion is, make it your career. And when mm -hmm. I thought that real estate was my passion, because that's what I spoke about, I knew a lot of realtors, that's the circles I ran in, yep. and uh, I decided to make it my career. But to go back to what you were asking, what happened since is also when I became a realtor, I said, well, maybe I'll sell something to be able to buy something else. And then uh, I just started slowly liquidating. What I should nice. have done was held the mortgages on them, but instead I just slowly liquidated and uh, still have properties now and uh, just have it at a very simple, manageable pace. No, no. Listen, there's, there's something to be said for that, especially at a time like we're in right now. No question. The last thing you need is more stress, right? Absolutely. Now, now you, you're the managing broker. And um, talk me, tell me about your firm. Tell, tell the audience about your firm, what you guys specialize in and uh, what your territory is and, um, you know, any and all of the above. Okay, well, I'm the managing broker for a company called The Agency. Uh, the Agency, you may have seen on TV, uh, we're a million-dollar listing. Uh, also, our principals, uh, uh, families on The Real Housewives, they'll appear every once in a while on there as well. Um, but really, we're a uh, boutique luxury firm. And uh, we really just have, for a smaller firm, and when I say small, we're not that small, but for a, uh, a smaller national firm, we really have a strong reach. And we really do an amazing job in the luxury market, although that's not all we do. We mm -hmm. also are in just the general standard market as well, but we really um, are over the top as far as what we do when we're uh, playing in the luxury field. Got it. Got it. And you, you guys do commercial as well, or is it all residential, or do you kind of dabble? No, we'll, we'll still do some commercial, but really our focus is uh, high-end residential. Got it. Got it. And you, and you launched this firm how many years ago? Because you successfully sold off a franchise that you own. Could, could you talk about that, which ultimately created the, uh, the pathway for the agency? Oh, sure. Uh, and, um, and that's partially right. So I, I used to uh, have an independent real estate company. Then I bought the uh, White Group Realtors franchise for down in Fort Lauderdale. And then there was the point I said, you know what, I'm going to lighten my load in life and uh, I'm going to sell the franchise, which I did to another franchise operator. Uh, Went to another company for a short span. And when I heard the agency was coming into town, I was approached by a couple people and uh, they were asking me for advice as far as would I know somebody that would be a good broker for the company. Nice. And, and we just started talking and they said, by the way, didn't mean to ask, but would you be interested? There you go. And I really did miss being a broker as well. So, um, you know, it just worked out great. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Now, now, now back in the day, again, looking at your bio, you, you, you you actually dabbled in representing REO properties, real estate owned properties. This would have been during the downturn and you represent the likes of what Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Bank of America, Wells Fargo um, and, and, and those. Could, could you talk a little bit about that and how you got into that side of the business? Well, you know, that's funny because that was purely accidental and it was great fortune accidental. In fact, that's where I first heard of you, Peter, is uh, you know, through that time period long ago. But um there was um, a couple of lenders that I worked with on a um, uh, pretty consistent basis. And okay. one of them, for some reason, we, we just, Wells Fargo, we just got into a conversation and they said, uh, and this was really before the market started tanking back in that day. Yeah, and they said, yeah. would you be interested in uh, possibly working some foreclosure properties? I said, sure. So I got signed up with Wells Fargo, started 
working the foreclosure properties and started giving my general business to the Wells Fargo rep as well. He gave me business. I want to give him business back. Yeah. Then later on, my country ride rep, uh, which is later bought by Bank of America, said, yes. why are you not giving me as much business? I said, well, these guys gave me REOs, so I'm giving them business. <laughs> he said, suppose I give you REOs. So then I started doing it with them. And then later on, I said, you know, now that we have a system, a process, I have staff involved in it. Uh, that's when I started getting involved with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And then later on, uh, it started to be Caliber. And uh, they're all great companies to work with. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so anybody who doesn't know when we're referring to REO, it's real estate owned. It's basically uh, an acronym. It refers to properties where a bank will actually foreclose and take title to a property. Then they need to entrust uh, their property with some real estate agent to go ahead and represent them. So that's effectively what Howard and his organization was doing during, during the downturn. Would, would that be an accurate assessment, Howard? Oh, uh, that would be great. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so you, you dabbled in that, you dabble in luxury, you sort of, you know, you have your own types of investments. So you've been all across the board, which is a natural for what you did uh, along the way. You're the president of the Greater Fort Lauderdale Realtors Association. You're a director on the National Association of Realtors for a period, a district vice president for the Florida Association of Realtors. My God, you're everywhere. You're, you're, you're Mr. Real Estate. <laughs> you, you make me sound so good there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and any good points you picked up along the way working for all those entities, uh, those, those uh, uh, industry uh, organizations? Well, well, yes, you, you get to meet people well, throughout the state. You get to pe meet people throughout the nation and uh, you get to see culturally what may be different in other geographies. But yep. at the same time, you realize how similar everything really is. I mean, real estate certainly is local, but we all have the same issues. Uh, mm -hmm. We all have a lot of the same benefits. Uh, and you really realize uh, how small the real estate world is. I'm sure. Now, one thing I am interested in, this is the last bit of your bio, and then I'll, I'll leave you alone, but, but this I think is very interesting. You've been involved with a number of different organizations involved with uh, on the governmental side. Um, City of Fort Lauderdale Planning and Zoning Board, Code Enforcement Board, Broward Housing Council, as well as the Riverwalk Trust, which is the entity that basically oversees in downtown Fort Lauderdale that, uh, that pedestrian walkway. Um, uh, how, how did you get involved with that and why are you doing it? Isn't everybody, when they see you on the street, aren't they coming up and bitching about something? Because everybody <laughs> likes to bitch at the politicians. <laughs> well, the, the good news is that everything was volunteer okay. uh, and, and uh, through appointments as well. In fact, uh, I was uh, appointed uh, by the one mayor at the time to the code enforcement board, was appointed by another mayor uh, later on for planning and zoning. And, and currently I'm on the nuisance abatement board, this time by a commissioner, not by uh, a mayor specifically, but okay. everybody voted in um, and Riverwalk Trust. So really, I felt myself very fortunate as far as the way my business was going, the way my life was going. And I, I always wanted to give back. I thought if you're receiving such gifts, you should always be giving back to the community. And I thought, how can I do that? And I did that by my volunteerism. And, and what you notice sometimes is you volunteer for one organization and you take a active role in it. And yep. then another organization comes by and says, hey, we'd like to have you on our board to be able to do the same types of things. And then if you're not careful, you're on about three, four, five boards, which I was at any one time, uh, and taking an active role in all those. And uh, personally, if I was at a point where I felt the organization was in really good shape, uh, yep. as most of these were, 
And, um, you know, I've given my share. It's time for somebody else to be able to come in with new ideas. That's when I would step aside from that organization to be able to let the next person in. And and I guess all of this sort of um, uh, my perspective, reading your bio and knowing you for for a number of years, all this sort of, I think, contributed to your ability to be successful doing pre-construction sales, where you need to sell a vision and an idea to a would-be buyer based on some plans and what a developer hopes to do rather than a hard asset where the, where the buyer can walk in, touch it, feel it, and uh, sign the contract right away. Um, w- would that be accurate? Or can you talk a little bit about your pre-construction and how you got into it and what made you successful doing it in terms of on the in- in-house sales side? Well, you know, sometimes, Sal, we talk about mentors. And when I first started in real estate, I was um, representing a buyer to be able to sell a condo. And and it was the son of somebody that did a lot of new construction around Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And we just had a a wonderful transaction because she was mostly involved in new construction. Um, She kind of left it to me to carry both sides of the transaction. And afterwards, she said, I'm representing some properties down here, new construction. Do you think you may be interested? Me as a brand new realtor, the answer is, of course. Sure. So I was fortunate enough to be able to get my first project, uh, worked with her for a couple other projects later on, and then uh, took off to doing some projects uh, by myself and then you know, brought my own teams onto other ones. So it, it was just a, an accidental good fortune that I was in the right place where somebody uh, had confidence in me to be give me the opportunity. And to answer further, you know, one thing that helps as well is because I do know the codes from sitting on code board. I yep. do know what developers go through as far as new construction from sitting on planning and zoning. Uh, this just gives me a very well-rounded knowledge uh, that I feel so comf- comfortable, confident uh, when we're talking about the vision of what's going to happen in an area. I, yep. I could see what's happening, but also the knowledge of what I hear and still saying active involved just really allows me to share that with any client base or developers. There you go, audience. I told you we had a heavy hitter on here, and I think he just said it uh, very eloquently. So, um, Howard, how about we take a little break? I want to try to uh, run a commercial, pedal some services. On the other side of the commercial break, I want to start to ask you about what's going on in the Fort Lauderdale market, what's going on in the Broward County market, and what you sort of uh, see happening uh, pre- and post-COVID. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. All right. You listen to Kind of Vultures podcast. On the other side of the break, uh, we're going to ask Howard to sort of Share some of that insight, some of that vast experience about the real estate market so you, the audience, can get a very good idea. So stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. Don't buy a South Florida condo discounted or distressed before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos, analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast. This is Peter Zalewski. This is episode number 21. We are having a discussion with Howard Elfman. Howard is managing broker of the agency, South Florida. It's a boutique uh, brokerage that's based in the Fort Lauderdale area. He specializes effectively on the luxury side, but Howard sort of dabbled in everything. Uh, Back in the day during the last downturn, he was doing some REOs. He does pre-construction. He's invested his own money. He basically sits on governmental uh, boards, bodies, you name it. Howard sort of, uh, he seems to know what the hell's going on, especially in the Fort Lauderdale and the Broward County area. So, um, 
Howard, I want to I want to start to ask you to tap into uh, that knowledge base as well as that crystal ball and give us some assessment. Um, what what would you say currently is the situation uh, residential real estate wise in uh, Broward County as well as Fort Lauderdale? And um, can, if you could talk to me pre COVID, let's call March, uh, say the beginning of COVID, and then what sort of happened and, and transpired uh, since then. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We were in a, a pretty stable market pre COVID. And uh, pretty predictable. We knew what housing prices were going to be. We knew how long houses uh, may have stayed on the market until uh, they were going to be sold. And then COVID hit. And, you know, originally it was a step back of saying, is this like a hurricane? Does everything just stop Mm -hmm. or do things still move on? And I I took about a day and I stopped personally. And then I started taking a look in the MLS and I started seeing that houses, I started tracking more and more homes were going under contract on a consistent basis. And, and, then I and thought, just, just, just so I can interrupt, uh, anybody doesn't know, the MLS stands for the Multiple Listing Service. It's effectively a database that realtors use to uh, list properties, make it available to their colleagues or others in the industry so they can bring together a buyer and seller. So, sorry, Howard, I just wanted to um, uh, interject with that. No problem. So, so apparently when I was looking through and I saw more homes going under contract, I said, wow, I said, maybe it's not like a hurricane. Maybe it's just the mentality. And there was a, a lot of realtors that were just stopped in their tracks, I guess, just thinking that the market is totally crashed without the perception that there are still people out there that need a home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the market uh, did take a, a step back, probably about a uh, 40% step back. And then it just started growing a little bit as people felt a little bit more comfortable. Um, Then what happened is COVID had really had its effect as far as in people's psyche. And um, I believe from what I see from the figures, uh, people decided that after being stuck in high rises for quite some time, uh, whether it's in any major metropolitan market, they thought, wouldn't it be great to come down to Florida where we have a lot more sunshine and maybe have a house where they don't have to go up and down elevators, but just walk around a backyard, walk around in their own pool. And what I started really seeing in Broward County, Fort Lauderdale as well, but just throughout Broward County, is the single family housing market and townhouse market really started exploding. Really? Yes. So condos, little sluggish. They're still selling, but nothing like the single family homes and townhomes. Okay, now I want to I want to ask you a couple questions based on what you said. So, so some of these buyers, um, who, who who exactly are they? Are they second home buyers? Are these people who uh, basically were renters and now they see an opportunity maybe to buy? Maybe there's some negotiating room, or maybe there's fewer buyers in the marketplace. Who who? I, how would you describe the typical type of buyer that you're seeing in terms of the deals uh, coming through your office? Well, the buyers that I'm seeing now, I, I see a lot of second home buyers, and, okay. and I will tell you, New York still happens to be a major draw for us. So there's a lot of second home buyers and there's also new primary buyers. I think what COVID has taught us in some businesses is you mm-hmm. could be anywhere. As long as you have a good internet connection and a telephone, you could be anywhere and get many jobs done. So do you want to be in a apartment in New York city with access to limited grocery stores? Or do you want to be in South Florida where we probably have about eight grocery stores within a mile, you walk out to sunshine and you're in your own home. So I think that's really the mentality people had. Now, isn't that interesting? We not only have a, a, a gentleman on who knows about real estate, but he also knows about software because he's in the software industry. 
there's been a lot of talk on CNBC and others, um, uh, other news organizations, business news organizations, about how technology basically five years of uh, slow growth was all pulled forward because of COVID. Um, can, can you see this Zoom effect, uh, this process of people being able to telecommute and things like that? Do you, do you actually see it sticking? And is there any truth to that idea that what would have taken us five years uh, to accomplish in terms of growth and change, we've actually accomplished in a couple of months simply because we were forced to with the pandemic? technological wise and it's funny you say technological and you use the word zoom um you know just as <laughs> one of the platforms uh, i gotta tell you there's a, a lot of we've been forced to utilize uh, zoom or other platforms like zoom to be able to interact with people see them and uh now what i'm noticing some of the things we're doing it's very efficient versus in some cases face-to-face -face meetings you could still have a lot of the same effect of course i'd mm -hmm. love to put my hand out and shake someone's hand. Although in the COVID uh, world, we're right now bumping elbows or whatever else we have to do. Yeah. But the, the fact of uh, utilizing a product like Zoom and communicating with people, I see the sticking beyond COVID. I mean, I just find it extremely efficient, uh, enjoyable. And uh, I, I think it's going to be around with us for quite some time. Now, now, now do you have... Um... Does your organization have any listings that are in the condos, uh, in condos in Fort Lauderdale or Broward County or anywhere in, in South Florida at this point? And if you do, what, what's sort of been the, 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 the feedback you're getting from some of your people on the ground? Uh, we do. Uh, I mean, we're in uh, different condos, different price yep. points all the way around. Um, mm -hmm. and, and what I, the feedback I'm getting is that that market is just a little bit slower, but I'm going to, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be off base here, but when we talk about technology again, what yep. we did learn to do is we're doing a lot of showings via FaceTime. We're doing showings via Zoom. Um, we're making it so people don't have to come out to see everything about the home, yet they could feel like they're there. And uh, we've actually, uh, in fact, even me personally, I've sold a condo via Zoom. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Now, people are sitting out there going, whoa, 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 Howard, don't be bullshitting us. How exactly does this work? And how does somebody buy a condo via Zoom or some kind of video um, uh, software? You know, it, it, was, uh, it was actually a client of mine's recommendation. Okay. Um, there was a client of mine looking for a condo, and yep. the people that were in the condo were concerned about COVID. This was uh, a little bit in the beginning, and we could all understand it. Sure. Uh, I didn't want to travel with my client. The other realtor, the listing agent, didn't want to travel necessarily to be with their client, everybody being respectful. And yep. my client said, well, couldn't we do FaceTime or something like that? And I said, what are your thoughts on Zoom? And then the, it was actually a tenant that was in the other property that was in the condo. The tenant okay. says, I have Zoom. We could do that. And the tenant walked around. There was no. six of us on the call showing no. us everything. It was so, so cool. <laughs> so wait, 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 tell me, you didn't even have to go there. It's not like you went there with the phone and you were, you were shooting a video. The tenant actually did it. The tenant actually did it, walked around, was so gracious, um, showed through in. My, my client said, could you walk outside the door? Can you go to the right? Can you go to yeah. the left? He said, sure. He was by himself. He felt protected, the tenant. And we were all watching via Zoom live. I thought it was, um, you know, something so simple was the coolest thing where we, we were able to get a really great perspective of the condo. Now, now, now once, once, once your client goes in, uh, purchases the property, takes it down, moves in, uh, did they come back to you and say anything? Hey, it wasn't the same perspective. What, what, you know, what, was there anything that didn't necessarily play out uh, video-wise versus the once the person was actually um, on the ground in the unit? Uh, 
No, no, because my client was actually very specific about what they wanted to see. And okay. the, the tenant was so great and really showed it that they felt that everything they saw via Zoom was exactly what they got. Now, interesting. Now, now, um, what was your client or are you seeing when it comes to condos? Is there any negotiating power? Is there any wiggle room or are prices pretty much firm, kind of like they were in uh, parts of Fort Lauderdale before uh, be, before the COVID? Well, I, I think that all depends on whether the condo is priced right or if the condo is overpriced based upon okay. what has been selling. Um, but there hasn't been what we would call a COVID discount. Um, I've had people um, ask me, when are the prices going to drop? When are the prices going to drop? Yeah. Uh, because of COVID, the prices must drop. And, and at the end of the day, they haven't. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost been pretty stable market. Now, now, have you had on the listing side, have you had any clients who maybe have said, you know, I don't like the idea of somebody coming through my home for whatever reason. Um, I'm just going to take my property off the market. I mean, has any of that occurred simply not out of concern about the market or what kind of price they could get, but simply because they don't want to expose themselves, their home to, uh, you know, strangers. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in the very, and it was probably much more prevalent in the very beginning. Uh, There were people that they wanted to sell. They didn't have the absolute need because life changed. You couldn't travel. You couldn't do a lot of things that you were used to doing. And uh, that was exactly what they said. Let's take it off the market for now. I'm not comfortable with people walking in my home and possibly me contracting uh, COVID based on that. However, that's not everybody. There are other people that said, let's, and the National Association of Realtors recommended this as well. Let's utilize Zoom. Let's do a lot more with virtual tours. Let's do YouTube videos of the home. Let's just put all that information out there so the person has the feeling of being there. So if yeah. they're really serious, they'll come in. And if they're just kind of wondering what that uh, home is like, whether it's a condo, whether it's a house, they'll at least have enough information via video to be able to get a good feel for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, uh, that, that makes all the sense in the world. And then in terms of uh, timing, I, I talked to a bunch of uh, hedge funds and private equity groups right after uh, COVID sort of broke and their stay-at-home orders were put in place. And, and, you know, the idea at that point was, listen, we're going to sit back and wait until a vaccine's created. Once a vaccine's created, then we'll know that there's some sort of clarity. There's light at the end of the tunnel because in the meantime, it's going to be a violent, uh, volatile swing back and forth. Um, some of these people who maybe took their places off the market or were, didn't necessarily need to go, have they given you any kind of timeline? Are they thinking vaccine changes at all or are they just sort of uh, taking it day by day and, and kind of, you know, you know, trying to surf the waves? Well, I, I would call it a little bit more surf the waves. And it all depends on what their, was their motivation behind selling their home. Yeah. Uh, if they were going to relocate to somewhere else and they're concerned for their health about leaving their home right now, they're certainly not going to want to fly into a different geography if it's another city and yeah. start looking at homes on their own. So I think uh, it just stops for them, which stops on the other side as well. Got it. Now, um, so, so we talked a little bit about condos. Now, now tell, me, tell me a little bit about the single family house market. Who who are these buyers? Are they the same buyers or are they people simply, um, who, who, who are they? Who, who's looking for single family houses and townhouses? Uh, you know what? They, they are the same buyers that it's always been. Although second home buyers were always looking to buy a condo. Because it was easier. That, it it yeah, was simple. You come down here, you, you turn the key and you're done. And I'm finding that there's a uh, second home buyers are now buying houses and townhomes, Uh, townhomes, mostly because it's that hybrid. It's the I I don't want to take care of everything myself, which is why I wanted to be able to live in a condo. I'm not there all the time. I want to enjoy that. Uh, But at the same time, 
they have that area that they could walk out and still have the privacy that's theirs and not as uh, shared as, for instance, an elevator going up in a condo building. So townhomes have done real well because of that hybrid concept. And uh, but single family houses, uh, you know, the same people that need to move for the same reasons are moving for the same reasons. Um, You know, you you have another child and you need more room in your home. So you're looking to expand and you may be moving to a single family home. Uh, Somebody now they're living in this big home, which during COVID could be very convenient, uh, but they want to be able to simplify and move to a smaller home or vice versa. So um, I've been seeing it's really the same people that have been looking. But I got to tell you, in some markets, I mean, we're really up. uh, I'll give you an example. There was a home represented and uh, put it on the market. And it wasn't the least expensive home in the area by any means. Uh, But we had uh, in two days, 20 showings, uh, which we were able to show it. Everybody had to wear masks. You know, we wore gloves. We had all the right things for safety. 20 Uh, 20 showings. showings, 20 showings, 12 offers, only one below ask. Okay. Wow. Holy shit. Wow. 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 And, and these offers, um, were they all cash? They're trying to take their financing, tapping into the uh, record low interest rates. What, what, what did most of them tend to be? Uh, I will tell you in this particular case, every one of them was financing, financing. But, uh, okay. but it was different levels of financing and yep. the uh, interest rates just being so ridiculously low. Right. Uh, You know, even if somebody had the cash, I don't know why they wouldn't take advantage of this except to potentially get a better price, which with so many offers, they're not going to get anyway. Wow. So, okay. so if I'm the seller and I hear that scenario, that obviously says to me there's not enough supply and there's a hell of a lot of demand. So I'm raising the price. You guys were able to successfully raise the price and uh, move it at a higher price than uh, what was originally asked. Well, we certainly did go for more than ask, but, you know, when people are financing, you still need to appraise. Yeah. So uh, we kind of pushed the limit a little bit, but we didn't go uh, over the top to where we we're going to run into an appraisal issue. Got uh, it. But people were willing to spend a little bit above to make sure they secured it. And they were also willing to um, pay any difference between uh, what we were asking for it and what appraised for if it didn't appraise. That's a very nice situation. So, so what that means uh, for the audience is effectively if uh, the appraiser says it's worth, let's, let's make it simple, 80 grand, and you have it under contract for 100 grand, therefore, you, the buyer, have to come up with the extra 20 grand plus whatever's required in order to get your financing. Would, would, would that be a simple way to sort of explain it? That would be a very simple way. Okay. Okay. So, wow, very interesting. So, so Howard, tell me, the, the takeaway is on the condo side, there's some wiggle room. It's not firm. And on the house side, you better come in high and hard uh, with, your, with your offer because chances are you're going to get outbid. Is, is, is that sort of the takeaway? I would say that's pretty accurate. Wow, wow, wow. Now, now what are you hearing from uh, colleagues in terms of the rest of South Florida and or rest of the country? Because I know you have a network that's uh, uh, very expansive. Well, well our, our company is uh, actually worldwide. Uh, but we are spread majority through the nation. We have a few offices outside the country and the relationships with a uh, uh, company outside the country. But uh, what I'm hearing in the markets is, is we're running into the same thing. Uh, when I talk to the folks in Aspen, they're saying that there's a lot of people coming from New York to Aspen. I wouldn't have thought about that. Arizona, a lot of people from New York coming to Arizona. I thought, Florida, we're unique. We're supposed to be getting the New Yorkers. Yeah, right. spreading all throughout the country. Um, it's uh, Each market is really happy having people from major metropolitan cities come into warmer climate markets. 
Uh, Aspen, of course, not warmer climate necessarily, but uh, there's a lot of people coming into warmer climates. Uh, I was surprised when I'm uh, talking to people in California, a lot of New Yorkers coming to California, not something I would have suspected, but it's something that's happening. Wow, that's that's interesting. Now, um, I want to take another commercial break. And on the other side, I'm going to ask you to pull up the crystal ball, take a look and give the audience some perspective as to what you can envision uh, coming down the pike. Does that work for you? Perfect. All right. So we'll catch you on the other side of this break. This is the Condo Vultures podcast. Challenging times for real estate calls for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBA Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, cbrrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I have the pleasure, and you should as well as the audience, of listening and hearing what Howard Elfman has to say. Who is Howard? Well, Howard, somebody's been in the uh, real estate industry for north of 20 years. He's been at the top of a number of different uh, industry organizations as well as on the governmental side, and he's done all aspects of real estate. He invests on his own. He's done REO sales, which is bank-owned property back during the crash, and he's also done pre-construction. So Howard has a very good breath in terms of his understanding of what's going on in the uh, real estate market. Howard, is there anything you haven't done yet, anything you still need to put on the board, if you will, put on the mantle that uh, you haven't accomplished? Uh, just international investment, but I'm working toward it. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. And that would probably tie in with all your travels or yeah, previous travels. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got to ask you, you're, you're a traveler. I'm a traveler. Um, what, what, you know, what do you, what's your take of it? How you how you keeping yourself calm knowing that chances are you're not getting on a plane? And if you are, you're not going overseas for quite some time, at least with any kind of certainty, knowing that you're going to go and have a, a lot of fun. So what, I, I, how are you getting through it? Well, well, you know, I, I love to travel. I love to go to different cities, uh, you know, not just internationally, but domestically. Yep. And uh, I am looking forward to the time where I can feel comfortable and safe doing so. Uh, I do have a second home uh, still within the state. And uh, I visit it as often as I can just to have a, a different perspective, a different look out a window, a different uh, neighborhood environment. Mm -hmm. But I'm also uh, feeling really good about, uh, and this sounds horrible during COVID, but, but I feel good as far as life is at a more relaxed pace versus crazy. I would, uh, as you, you mentioned in my intro, I would be involved in a significant number of networking events any night, uh, social events any night. And right now, at the end of my day, uh, I come home and I enjoy my home. And I think that's been a uh, big turning point. Wow, 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 wow. So um, interesting. Now, during all your times, uh, your travels in Asia, things like that, did you ever pick up any of those, um, you know, philosophies? Um, I, I do on a, a regular basis. In fact, uh, since I do go to Asia so much, I'll always visit different uh, temples while I'm there. Um, I, I just uh, try to embrace the culture depending on uh, which country I'm going to. Yep. Uh, I love going to areas where I don't speak the same language. And this way it just forces us to be able to communicate together. I pick up a little bit of their language. They'll pick up a little bit of English. Um, but I, I really do love the uh, Asian culture, which is why I go there every year. Yeah. You know, and my, my, one of my biggest fears is that because of this, there's going to be a lot of restaurants uh, that simply aren't going to make it uh, out of COVID unless there's like some big chain with a huge bankroll behind them because they're publicly traded or whatever. 
you know, I, I, I think that might be one of the lasting effects of this. But uh, who knows? Maybe there's going to be a new crop that sort of pop up and change the way, uh, you know, the whole culinary world works in South Florida. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to something. I, I would hate to see some of my favorite restaurants. Uh, as I know, they're struggling right now. I, I'd hate to see them close. But I think uh, more and more restaurants are getting innovative of how they reach out uh, to be able to offer specials, to be able to where we're used to going there dining, uh, where they're offering the opportunity to pick up. And I'm discovering some of those as we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, time for your crystal ball. Let's let me it. sort of let, let, let me lay out the scenario, at least from my perspective for the audience. And then you could push back if necessary or you could agree whatever you sort of want to do. So generally speaking, the South Florida region, it's very um, multicultural. There's a lot of different people come from a lot of different places. But generally speaking, Fort Lauderdale North tends to be a little bit more a domestic type of market, a little bit more of a Canadian type of market. And Fort Lauderdale South tends to be a little bit more of an international type of crowd. Generally speaking, would you agree with that? Just big picture? Uh, Big picture, I would definitely agree with that. Okay. And obviously, you know, people have exceptions. They go certain areas, they do whatever they're going to do, but just, just sort of generally speaking. So, so Fort Lauderdale has been able to benefit because you have the strong, when you have the strong U S economy, you have everybody coming domestically down and want to spend some money. And then when you have the strong uh, foreign economy going, then people want to come here and they're still able to sort of dabble. What, what, what are we doing in a situation or what do you, what, what are you anticipating in a situation where the U S COVID situation is so bad? Who's to say what's going to happen to our economy, but some of the other countries, well, at least if they're European, they're opening up. Asia is opening up, but South America is sort of struggling. So how does the audience sort of, how, how, how do they kind of read the waves uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what the future looks like, especially from a real estate perspective in say the Fort Lauderdale or the Broward area, um, you know, in the next uh, couple quarters or so, a few quarters. You know what? I, I really wish I could predict that. Uh, there are, um, and, and I look at it two different ways. There, there are people which have their second homes here, their investment properties in, in Fort Lauderdale, South Florida, and yep. they are in other countries. And right now with their country struggling, I mean, this is a, a pretty big asset. So uh, if they did choose to sell it, they could certainly have a, a pretty good cash infusion, which may help them in their country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's one side I take a look at it. The other side is that depending on where their economy is, the U.S. has always been the great place to be able to make sure you have your investment and you know your investment secure. Yeah. So I could see it going both directions, depending on where the person's needs. If they have a, a strong need for money, they may want to sell their property down here and bring it back into their country. Or if they still have a significant amount of money in their country to be able to buy property in uh, Fort Lauderdale in the U.S. to be able to keep their uh, financial well-being safe. Yeah. Now, there's there's always a saying that you hear with the uh, w- with the well-heeled investors about catching a falling knife. Some <laughs> pe- people don't want to go in early until they know the bottom because, uh, you know, the concerns that can keep going down. The flip side is if you don't go in a little bit early, then you're not going to have your choice because no one else is buying at the time. So it's it's a push pull. What, what, what do you say to one of your investors or would be clients who brings up catching a falling knife in terms of trying to buy, you know, right now when there's no vaccine? sort of out there or or is it a non-issue it's simply a numbers issue well i think it's a numbers issue but you know again it, it's a lot of people got themselves in trouble as they wanted to wait everybody wanted to wait till they see it going down down yep. down down and by that time too many people jumped in and, and they missed the mark uh, yep. i think if somebody has the money and they're ready to invest you know they need to take a look where the market is and they need to do it now yep 
Now, now you you um, are involved with governmental bodies and have been involved with governmental bodies. Uh, there's obviously some lifestyle changes that are occurring. We talked about the Zoom effect, uh, you know, air circulation. Uh, there's stories about offices. How are people going to get by in an office with cubicles, things like that? Are you hearing or seeing or anticipating anything from a governmental perspective in terms of planning, zoning, anything like that? Anything that sort of makes sense or anything that's sort of been floated because you have your ear to the uh, to the ground? Well, you know, I think everybody's still trying to figure this out. And I haven't heard anything definitive yep. um, of what people are doing. So I, I, I don't really have a, uh, a knowledge of that at this time. Got it. I mean, it would seem to me a lot more people are going to be looking for live work type of space. I, I just wonder if that, you know, because uh, the government can be pretty hard in terms of enforcing this and that. I just wonder if we're not going to get more live workspace coming down the pike sometime soon. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, what what would you say are the top two or three things that make you optimistic uh, about going forward? Let, let's say until the vaccine. And what would you say are the two or top two or three things that sort of make you pessimistic uh, leading up to the vaccine and some sort of... Um, normal let's call it new or normalcy and as far as the real estate goes as far as real estate correct i mean right now you know fort lauderdale south florida i mean it it just happens to be a a great place to live i mean we're we're fortunate enough that uh over the years we've been building and i I used the um uh analogy before uh where i live right now downtown area I, i could be within one mile i could touch six supermarkets and probably about uh just as many pharmacies so the fact of having access to resources i i think is really good and i think when we get into uh our area, which um, I'm not going to quite call us total major metropolitan area. I will definitely not compare us uh, to New York, uh, but I think we have a lot of advantages. And I think because of that and easy mm-hmm. transportation, yep. I think we're going to continue to have a growing market based on that. So, so, the, so there's an up market. So you see a lot. Now, now what, what, what sort of has you worried at night or what, what has you concerned real estate wise in terms of, uh, you know, leading up to a vaccine, assuming we can get one or once created? Uh, well, the fear is going to be uh, just people's perspective. Uh, housing, single family is doing great. Townhouses are doing great. Uh, I just uh, feel that there's going to be concerns of people getting in elevators with other people. And although we've gone vertical, and that's really how we're working within office spaces and with condominiums, uh, I'm concerned that that uh, still may have people scared and that still may keep that a little bit more of a sluggish market. Yeah, yeah. Howard, anything else you want to ask before I ask, uh, or you want to add before I ask uh, my final question? Ready for the final question. All right. So once it's all lifted, once you can get on a plane again, you can travel anywhere you want for pleasure. Where's the first place you're going? Oh, I'm going to Asia. I will rebook that trip. <laughs> no, but I come on. You, in... you, you got to give us a city. You got to give us a country. Uh, just my itinerary, which I was supposed to be at today. Uh, I was actually going from uh, – or actually it was going to be coming from Miami to party. And I was going into the Philippines. Then I was going to uh, Indonesia and Korea and back home. Wow. That sounds like a great trip. I can't wait to, um, uh, to be able to get on a plane and travel again. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. Howard, how, how, how does somebody get a hold of you? Um, if they're listening to the podcast, they like what you're saying, and they, they think you guys might be able to do some business. What, what would you recommend? What, what's the best way for them to reach you? Just just reach out and call me, uh, 954-564-1117. If I could say it, 954-568-1117. But I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, easy enough to be found all by my name. And, and you, you have an email address as well? Uh, sure. It's howard.elfman 
at theagencyre.com. The agency. And then one more time, if you can repeat your telephone number, and I know you're on WhatsApp, so they can also WhatsApp you if they're uh, maybe sitting there in Hong Kong or somewhere else and they like what you have to say. Well, what's uh, in Hong Kong, they could use WeChat. WeChat, <laughs> there you go. On all of them, I'm online if they're in uh, uh, Thailand. But uh, here in the U.S., uh, 954-568-1117. Fantastic. That's Howard Elfman. He's a managing broker of the agency, South Florida. He oversees South Florida, which is Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County. The agency's a nationwide brokerage. So Howard's the go-to guy in South Florida. And as you can tell, he's been around. He's seen a lot, and he likes to uh, talk straight. Although I didn't hear any salty language. I'm a little bit disappointed in that, Howard. But thank you for joining us. Uh, we greatly appreciated it. And um, I'm sure I'm going to see you again soon, probably at some Asian restaurant. Uh, absolutely, Peter. Anytime. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in to the Kind of Vultures podcast. This is episode number 22. Be sure to touch base or check in next week. On Tuesday, we're going to have a roundtable. We get four former and current journalists that around tell you what the top biggest headlines were from the last week. And then we will also have a guest interview on the following Thursday. So thanks for listening and um, see you soon.